Tonight, we have a very special interview with frontman and founding member of the band Bloodgood, Les Carlson. He's going to share with us some wisdom and insight on being a Christian musician and tell us some of the story of how Bloodgood was founded. I really thank you for taking the time to to do this today. It's an honor and I'm excited and humbled at the same time. Oh, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get started. And I want to start from the uh, the beginning. You know, from what I understand that when you were saved, you abandoned any hope or thought of being a rock star. You kind of put that to the wayside. And Today, you're considered one of the pioneers of Christian metal and Christian rock. How did God bring you from the place of just kind of giving up on it all to where he brought you in your life? Yeah, well, to clarify, I had no desire. When I got saved, I had no desire to be a rock star anymore because it was it just it was such a big thing prior to meeting Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I thought, oh, my gosh, my goal of being a rock star is just so small and insignificant, and it doesn't really make any sense. It would be a waste of my life and not really be able to bring any anything good to anybody, really. You know, my success as a rock star. So I was just kind of I was so in love with Jesus. I just went, you know what? I just want I just want to pursue you. And I ended up roofing houses and. <laughs> I just got out of the business altogether and, you know, had a little lunch pail in the morning and Joyce had fixed my lunch and we just turned into regular folks and it was fine with me. I was so uh, excited to be, you know, following him. And then, uh, and my pastor um, said, you know, you sing really well and God could use you. And I'm like, really? says yeah so you know pray about it so anyway and then i met michael through an ad in the paper and and uh we got together and did blood good so that's just just we can get into detail but that was just sort of to set it up with your question there so that is huge though because you put your hopes and desires to the side just to follow jesus that that was what was the focus for you and by doing that by you lowering yourself and putting him in the greater position, he eventually exalted you. It's so scriptural. What happened in your life? Mm. You know, Glenn, it's, uh, it has been overwhelming. Um, uh, at this particular time in my life, I just turned 75 and, uh, uh, October 22nd. And, I'm able to see what God has done and this whole legacy, you know, Les Carlson, pioneer, grandfather of heavy metal, Christian heavy metal. And that doesn't, I mean, it's, it's really nice to hear that, but that's not who, you know, I'm just me today struggling to follow Christ like everybody else, you know, just doing the best I can to stay in his will. So. That's the that's the absolute beauty of it. And when you started Blood Good with Michael, how much did prayer and studying in the Word factor into the shaping of the band and the shaping of the music of Blood Good? Well, I think uh, foundationally everything and and um, just the, the legacy that Blood Good has, I would say we we laid a foundation. 
in the very early days, even before we picked up the guitars, when we first met, um, Michael and I and JT actually met in a coffee shop in Seattle just to, to meet each other and talk about Michael's concept of a, a Christian heavy metal band. And he originally wanted to um, change lyrics to Led Zeppelin songs or Dio songs or whatever and make them Christian. But I had been in the business, uh, already had done records and was, you know, uh, really into the business uh, on the secular side. And I just said, no, I, we have to do all original material and it's got to be all about Jesus. And I don't care if they throw rocks at us. I mean, that's what I, I don't want to do it if we don't do that. So um, anyway, uh, we decided right then and there that, OK, well, let's do that. And then the next step was let's get together once a week on a Tuesday night. And the first thing we do before we pick up the guitars is that we pray with our wives and the, the family, whoever's there, if there's, you know, in, in Michael's case, his son, Paul Michael Bloodgood, who did the film Trenches of Rock, was there. And uh, yeah, we prayed first. And that was it. I mean, that was the standard that we started with. And I think within a very short time, we had ended up writing 10 songs uh, 10 or 11 songs and 10 of them got on the first album, I believe. I'm not sure if there was nine or 10. I think it was 10. Yeah. And that's it. So prayer is good. I mean, that is your relationship with, with Christ. And it's just, you know, conversation with God. He's okay. You can come at him with anything, as you know. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be in King James that you pray in either. As you said, it's just no. conversation. It's just talking to God like we're talking right now. We're having a yeah. conversation with each other. Yeah, because he's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's he's God and he's personable. And that's what's just so amazingly unique about our God is that he's just able to make us feel so important individ individually and collectively. So I it's we're never going to figure him out. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is way beyond my comprehension. It's yeah. just following by faith. And it's so important that basis of prayer, everything birthed in prayer. And those are the things that last. Those are the things that are sustained is when you're following the will of God and you're asking him, okay, God, where do you want this to go? How do you want this to go? Let's, let's glorify you instead of, instead of us. And, you know, being, in the Christian metal and rock industry or being, you know, a pioneer, I'll use that term. You guys were doing this at a very difficult time when there were, really weren't many Christian metal and rock bands. And there was a lot of controversy at the time, both in the church and in the world. The church was like, oh, this is a demonic compromise. And the world was like, yeah, they're just trying to make it because they couldn't make it in the secular. How did you guys deal with all of that criticism and just keep forging ahead in what God had called you to do? Well, you know, it's almost like um, God parting the seas. Uh, we were sort of in the middle of the, of the storm, you know, and the calm part was just following him, reading his word and knowing truly that we were called. And we knew that we were called based on the fact that it just seemed like the doors would just open for us. And we didn't really, we didn't even have a manager. We just, everything just sort of happened for us, which is really the best way, because had we started planning, then maybe we would have missed a few opportunities that he had for us. But uh, 
I think just staying in the middle of it and knowing for a fact within your knower that you're doing the right thing. Uh, you know, because there was a lot of criticism about the way we looked and we were, you know, accused of being demonic and, and, uh, you know, I'm going, well, I've never heard a, a demon lift up the name of Jesus in praise, but you know, how, whatever your theology is there, it seems wrong to me. So yeah, when I first got saved, I felt that the Lord really told me that, you know, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said, I'm, I'm not going to raise you an Americanized version of Christianity. I want you to know me who for who I am. And that's, and I was like, okay, that's good. Wow. That's, that's what I want. That, that so is I, so powerful. That is so powerful. And just knowing who you are, I've been hearing a lot of good, solid preaching lately about knowing who you are, especially in these days that we're in right now, where it's very confusing knowing your identity. And there's been such an attack on identity in the world today. And that is so refreshing to hear that you guys knew who you were. And hey, this is what we're doing because we're following him. And it's funny, you said you didn't have a manager, but you did. His name is Jesus. He was yeah. the one that was... <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's the best. You can't go wrong, can't go wrong with him. Yeah. Uh, there's still some today, and I get the emails that look like the Joker wrote them in different colors with big letters, little letters that, hey, you know, you're doing the work of the devil over there with Lithos Cry and, you know, Christian Rock is of the devil, what would you say to somebody who still tries to purport that argument that, hey, it's not of God? You know, there's really not much to say to me. It's just an observation of their lack of uh, depth and wisdom. They lack wisdom. They lack depth. They're not really hearing from God. They're uh, creating what they think is right. Uh, it's more of a religious spirit. So I, I just... You know, I just try to love them, you know, just try to love them, try to bring them around in a, in a gentle way. And I don't like to have to defend uh, myself because basically God will defend me. Yes. And, and you know, it, we didn't really come back. We didn't, we didn't have a big, I mean, of course, in our own inner circle and, you know, we would share our burdens with each other and talk about how it just it was hurtful to have the body of Christ um, not accept us because you, you know, uh, because all those people, they really thought they were doing the right thing. I mean, yes. they did, they thought they were being passionate and going out and doing God's work, but what everybody has to understand, you know what? He does the work. He's the one that fixes us to be like him. He prunes dead branches on us. He takes away things that are not Christ-like. He lets that sun shine in on us, the son of God shine in on us. I mean, that's how it really works to where you're effective. Just to be saved and going to church on Sunday and thinking that that's good enough and you're in and now I'm just going to go ahead and do all the stuff I do. Well, I mean, okay, you know, everything um, is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And, you know, God's not going to lose you because you're not real deep in wisdom and all that. but um, if you really want everything that he has, just let him do the work. Give it to him, you know. And so there's the peace in it, and there's the, there's the life and the life more abundantly. Even with, I mean, he got persecuted. 
more yes. than any of us could ever imagine. And uh, the worst case scenario for us, uh, he already went through all of that and he was successful. He overcame the world. Man, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. It's in his, his name. And that's where I find the life. Am I perfect? Far from it. But at least I know that when I need, you know, and I constantly need, when I need life, it comes from him and him only. Yeah, no servant is greater than their master. And he promised us that we would go through those persecutions and those trials and those difficulties, difficulties if we do indeed follow him. And all of this, as you're saying this, what's, what's resounding in my spirit right now is this world is nothing compared to what we have to look forward to in eternity with him. So all of the trials and tribulations we go through, our attitude really needs to be, yes, yeah, so, so what? We're, we're, yeah. We've got a greater glory and a greater promise. And I have a lot of questions here from some artists that we've worked with over the years. They would like to get some mentorship from you, having been in the business okay. and ministering for so long. And the first question that I have is from uh, Rob from Crimson Overtone. And he wants to know how in this world that we live in, where, especially in the music industry, where there's so much compromise, even in the Christian music industry, there's so much compromise. How did you guys in this world of compromise stay true to who you were? Well, we were indifferent, you know, from the beginning as far as becoming rock stars. So, I mean, that was not, so make sure that's not the goal. The goal is to just follow him and his will. And uh, he gives us, he's the one that is super creative and he gives you lyric and he gives you the ability to play guitar or sing or whatever. And of course we have to hone those, those things. We have to get good at, at what we do. Uh, we, you know, we should be better than the world, at least as good as, as far as their, uh, you know, their ability to play guitar or sing or drums or whatever. And then just leave it there and trust that, um, you know, uh, a lot of times people think that they have to follow a trend. Well, this is what this band does. So let's listen to them and let's, you know, yes, you do those things. But ultimately, uh, uh, Bloodgood always tried to be a band that was unique from others. You can't say that Bloodgood sounded like any band from the world. We sound like Bloodgood. And that's just kind of the way it is. And I think it's because we were able to just say, you know what, we don't, we're not doing anything but taking what he's given us and singing from our heart based on what we're getting and believing that we got it from him. Let's just go with it. I mean, I was very surprised at the success of Bloodgood and how fast it happened and how big we shot up and, and how he used us, you know, so just, you know, just hang in there. The most important relationship is, is with you and God. And then your music, uh, your, your, you know, your wife or your family, and then your music. And we just put things in order and, and, and don't, don't stress. He told us, don't stress. Don't worry about it. Seek me first and everything will be added unto you. I know you need all these things, you know? So just find your source in me and then see what I do with you. Yeah. I'm even taking what you're saying and applying it in my mind and my heart to what I do here with the ministry through just podcasting and live streaming, because it's a difficult 
uh, world. There's so many podcasters, so many live streamers, and I've even heard the Lord say that to me. Don't worry about it. Just do what I've told you to do, and I'll take care of the, I'll take care of the rest. You don't have to worry about the trend, or you don't have to worry about you know all these things. He's like, I've got that under control, and he's shown so many times that he does. The next question I have is from my very good friend Orlando from the band Armor of God known them for years him and his wife carla it's awesome they're a, they're a metal family it's a husband and wife that are that are oh, rocking yeah. for jesus which is awesome and first of all he would like to say that he's very glad for blood good and all the pioneer christian metal bands that came out in the 80s and the 90s because he was able to identify with them loving metal and rock and roll making use of it to uh, spread love hope and light in a world full of lies violence and overly sexual content um he heard you first heard of you guys on an album it was a christian metal compilation called testify <laughs> uh-huh. and it was it was a song she's gone that that got him hooked on blood good but wow. he'd like to ask when you guys were starting as blood good and you decided that you were going to rock for jesus was everyone in the band on the same page or was someone there just to play and have fun re- regardless of the message was were they just there to be a musician and you don't have to name any names, but was everybody on the same page when you started? Yes, absolutely. Everybody's on the same page. When we first started, um, uh, we switched over drummers along the way. And, um, and then uh, Mark Welling came into the band. It was JT Taylor to begin with. And Mark Welling came in and Mark Welling was basically sort of in the process of, just uh, he was he was the younger of of us, uh, uh, definitely a believer, but um, you know Mark was not uh, as maybe seasoned at the time, but certainly a believer, uh, a good brother, and uh, you know Mark was quite a unique, amazing drummer. But as far as his spiritual walk, it was he was a little younger in it than than the rest of us. So first of all, it was probably Michael and then David and then me, because I was fairly new, probably a year old. But I was my relationship was the acceleration of it was pretty amazing. Um, uh, so because when I got saved, I, I was still I got saved in a nightclub. I mean, we were playing in nightclubs and we hired a Christian keyboard player. We didn't know he was Christian, but we didn't know it. And he was just so different than anybody I'd ever met. And I asked him, I said, what is with you, man? (laughs) He said, what do you mean? I said, well, uh, you know, I don't know. You just, there's something different. And he goes, well, I have a relationship with Jesus. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. And I, I, and that's when I realized, wait a minute, why was I drawn to this guy? And then when he told me, Jesus, why did I back up? And I thought, man, there must be something to this Jesus. So anyway, that's, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm sorry, Glenn, I kind of missed the, uh, um, going there, I kind of missed what that question was to bring. No, it that's okay. Around. That's okay. But everybody was on the same page. But there were people at different different levels of maturity in their walk. Yes. In the band yeah. So started. yes. Okay. I, I I get it now. Yeah, I remember that question. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and you know what? That's a fair question. But ultimately, um, the history of Blood Good was always very ministry oriented. And I would say everybody had to be a believer and 
living a correct life to be in the band all along the way, whoever it was in the course of time with Bloodgood. Okay. And our next question that we have is from Poland, from Alina, from a band uh, known as IND. And she asks, during the tough times in your career, in those moments when it seemed that all was going wrong with the band, we all have those tough times, did you ever question using metal or rock as a tool to share your faith and the gospel? So when times were tough, was there any question about what you were doing? No. No. And the reason was because I had uh, uh, I had a son that was 18. My son has passed now, but um, my son, Jeffrey was, Jeff was born when I was 16 years old. And I, not to Joyce, but my first wife. And he was totally into metal. I mean, he was like the metal guru. So blood good. We'd always ask him, you know, uh, questions about, do you, do you like this song? Is this heavy enough or whatever? And he'd, he'd tell us, you know, and uh, Jeff got saved at a at a Striper concert, Blood Bloodgood Striper concert. <laughs> so awesome! So I knew for a fact because when I got saved, my my son uh, had this record collection that I was aware of. But when I got saved, my eyes were open, and I looked at the covers, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, Jeff! All this stuff's demonic." I mean, it's just demonic. I mean, not the people doing it, but they weren't following Jesus and the message was not of Christ. So it was really, you know, it, it, it was what it was. And uh, so the foundational beginning of Bloodgood was really part of me as a father going, I need to, I need to represent Jesus in this genre to bring this message to these people. That is my calling. I don't know what anybody else's calling is, but that's mine. I never doubted the importance of, of, uh, metal, Christian metal. So never, never doubted. <laughs> Thanks for the questions. Good question. It does. That that's a, that's a solid answer to that question. She has one more for you. And I love this question. How has your relationship changed with Jesus from the time you stand to today where, where you are now, how has your walk? How have you grown the most? Um, I think the, the, the thing that's happening, uh, first of all, um, uh, there's a scripture that says he was forgiven much. Hmm. Loves much. Believe me, man. I was, I was a dead guy, dead man walking, thinking I was really, that I had a, a lot of it together. I was a nice guy, you know, but I was just whatever. So I did everything that the world uh, had to offer. And, and um, yeah. So when I met him, I just, that he just radically changed me and my wife, Joyce. And, um, and so there was all of that. And then there was all of the years of reading the word and just growing and being fascinated in how he could, uh, just lay scripture out to me when I couldn't understand certain things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, Oh, Oh yeah. This doesn't make any sense, Lord. I mean, this does make, it makes no sense at all. And p- please, you know, fill me in on this, you know, and that I could give some examples. I won't, but you know, and then this revelation would come and I'd go, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. 
in the kingdom of God. Yes, that makes sense. And I see what you're saying to me. So there were all these years of just growing up with my heavenly father and just watching him and learning from him and experiencing, uh, you know, a lot of this was happening while I was in blood good, but to bring it from there to now, I'm, I'm, I guess I, you know, a football term, I'm sort of in the red zone uh, at 75, you know, many of my cherished uh, loved ones have gone home to see Jesus and, and they were younger than me. My son died at 40, 48 years old. And, uh, you know, so I know that nobody's guaranteed any amount of time. So now that I'm at 75, I'm in the red zone and I'm finally going, you know what? I don't have time to make another mistake. I don't want to go on a path that I think is the one I need to know it's the one. So I'm just going to let him do what he needs to do with me. And I'll just wait and listen. I'm not going to walk in a direction until he opens the door. I'm just not going to do it. I just can't go off for two or three years going, whoops, that's not the way that you're headed. It's not the plan for you. So that just comes from age and taught, you know, walking with him for 40 years now. So 40 years, I'm finally thinking, gosh, I might get this someday. But that's, you know, I mean, it's like a, it's like a marriage. You commit, you know, you commit to, to God and, and that's it. There's no turning back. There's some rocky roads and there's some, there's some times where you go, I just don't get you at all. But one thing I learned with him is that he's never intimidated with however I approach him. I mean, he can handle all of it. And he's he loves me even more. You know, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. He just, I don't know what it is about him, but he he's for the brokenhearted. He's for the downtrodden. He's for the one that, you know, that just, he loves to fill us with him. And so... You know, the, the longer I walk with him, the more I know that and the more, uh, I guess, life gets even more fired up when, you, when you're when you there. So that's kind of to answer that question. It's a yeah. process. It's not a sprint. It's a long run. It's, you know, it's a marathon. And, uh, and um, I know that in the finish, uh, the flesh will be taken away and he'll look at me and I'll look like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The next question we have is from a friend of mine, Celebrity, and he just released a track. It's a Christian track with George Lynch from Dokken on the guitars, which the track is absolutely amazing. It's called All I Need. And this is Celebrity's question. He asks, what do you think we as metal rock musicians need to do for our hearts, for God and our music to be recognized as meaningful and genuine worship? Um, you know, we cannot... Uh, I, okay, so when you're worshiping God and you're worshiping totally in spirit and in truth and it's flowing from you and you know that, if that's where your music is coming from, then it is exactly where it's supposed to be. Uh, if you take a seed to plant a seed in the soil, you plant that seed and it goes in and it takes a while for it to sprout. One thing I can tell you for sure, because this is, you know, this so-called legacy of blood good and, and who I've become in, in it. I've now, just now, am starting to see the things that we planted back in the day 
are now becoming this this huge thing that says, hey, this is a foundational uh, group in the movement of Christian metal. And people in the church that never would have accepted us back in the day are now realizing, wow, there's a lot of this music has got some fruit to it. This is, yeah, this is worthy of who he is. So it takes time. You know, it takes time. Sometimes things happen faster than others, but as long as what you're doing is true to your calling and true to him, it's fine. It's good. Put it in good soil, let it grow. And it one day, even when you think it's not doing anything, it'll sprout and show fruit because he doesn't fail. We have our timetables and he has his, <laughs> which are very different. We like to get things. I want to see it now. And you just have to think about Abraham who never lived to see the full promise of what God had promised him. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it takes time. Next one is from Jennifer Benson from the band Ignescent. They are mm. doing some awesome stuff. Mm. She's a good friend of Lithos Cry as well. And she asks, what is your favorite band and what was your favorite location that blood good played in? Okay. So first of all, I love that band. I love her image. Oh gosh. She's just like, she, she makes my heart jump and I'm sure Jesus is like, Oh yeah. Same way, you know, only more, but I mean, she just is really, I love the personality and the look and the sound of the band. And I'm so happy for them. So thank you so much for the, for the question. Um, uh, well, I mean, that first, uh, at the actual second gig that we did with Striper in the Paramount in Seattle was really amazing because it was just so over the top. Time Magazine was there. Striper was the headliner. We were able to open for them. And there was like a sold out house and the energy uh, and the newness of metal music proclaiming Christ as Lord was just amazing uh, so that was that was a real highlight uh we also did green belt um uh, uh the green belt festival in england and uh there was thirty thousand people there or something like that it was a festival um the country that i loved the most to perform in was germany just because the german crowds are so just so enthusiastic uh yeah uh, I love Sweden, Norway, England. We we played a lot in Europe, Holland. Um, you know, we played in Russia as well. So oh, wow. uh, yeah, I I just uh, I just think that uh, my favorite place to play is Germany. And Joyce and I, uh, the Les Carlson band, just got back from doing Loud and Proud in in Germany about uh, three weeks ago or whatever it was, and that was amazing. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, my dad always told me, Les, if you're going to be in the entertainment business, you better understand that if the crowd is 10 or 10,000, you still give them 150%. Mm. And that was good advice from my father. Mm. So that is, that you, is always, you always put out. So I'll tell you just really quickly, uh, there was a, when Bloodgood was doing the detonation tour, I mean, the amount of energy around us at the time was huge. We had just, we were out on the road and we were getting beat up quite a bit, you know, just by the enemy and by <laughs> just circumstances, but the gospel was being preached. We came into Cornerstone 
to headline on the main stage. And when we got out of the RV, we couldn't even go 10 feet without just being mobbed. I mean, people wanted to talk to us. There, there was like, I was blown away. I was like, really? I mean, this is, this is, this is too, too rock star, you know, too much. Uh, I mean, I liked it, of course, but it was, it was just, it was crazy. It was like Beatles stuff, you know, like, oh, my God, blood goes here. And you're going, really? Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> and the enthusiasm for us was so over the top. And it was great. But then after that, we went to New York and we played a promoter, had scrimped and saved and done everything he could to bring us into this little, uh, I mean, it was just a little, uh, like a homeless shelter uh you know, side street, kind of in a little store. He built a stage, had a couple lights up there and uh, didn't meet the writer at all. But he was so passionate to preach the gospel to the street people. And I had, and I've, I've very seldom ever lost my voice ever. But just before this gig, I had some deep laryngitis. And I felt in my spirit that this was like one of the most important gigs ever and I just pleaded with the Lord I said Lord I couldn't even talk I said this is the biggest gig ever and you gotta give me my voice and, <laughs> and so I just was like ready I had all my you know we were ready to go we were prayed up and everything but I couldn't speak and I just went for it grabbed the mic and man the Lord gave me a voice that was the most powerful most sincere, most filled with him in it. And it was just amazing. I was just going, uh, okay, is this happening? And I preached and I sang. And at the end, I couldn't talk again. And I realized, you know, if you got a microphone in your hand and you're in the platform to talk about the son of God, he's going to give you a voice and don't worry about it. Even if you can't sing, he can make... <laughs> He can make it happen. <laughs> That's a miracle. What happened? It was. It's that. a miracle. That's miraculous. Yeah. So yeah, that was really you know I mean that wasn't the big rock star um, answer for the biggest gig ever, but that was probably the most. I will never forget that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is from Mark from Divine Martyr. They are wow. They are an amazing band out of Indiana. And he asks, he's actually studied your wiki page for Blood Good and noted a reference to Queensryche and wanted to know if Jeff Tate uh, had any influences early on in, in your music. And were there any other big influences in forming the sound of Blood Good? Um, okay, so Jeff Tate and myself, both we both took uh, vocal lessons from maestro David Kyle. And David Kyle was, he worked with a lot of the Seattle talent and he was from, I mean, he, he'd worked with people for years and years, called him the maestro. And he was amazing. He, he gave us these amazing ranges that we have. So Jeff Tate would be coming out of his lesson and I'd be coming in and uh, Jeff knew Michael Bloodgood from Michael working in music stores. Jeff uh, and I had, we're not, we've never really hung out, but we've always been aware of each other. Um, I think Queensryche may have even thanked Bloodgood somewhere on one of their little liner notes, and we certainly thank them. And 
So we were in that Seattle uh, circle together when, uh, but his, uh, Jeff was never really, um, I mean, I love Jeff's voice, um, but I knew where he was coming from because we had the same teacher and I just, his voice is totally amazing. But me, uh, my first reference to any kind of metal stuff was when I first met Michael, we learned a Ronnie James Dio song because I had never done metal music before. I was a pop singer, Beatles. Uh, I did Journey and, you know, I did a, <laughs> a, just a bunch of cover stuff. And I, I really was not influenced by metal singers. Um uh, but I did like Led Zeppelin, and uh, you know, so um, Ronnie James Dio was the was the sort of the first metal guy that I went. Okay, if I'm going to be doing metal, you know, who's the top dog? And so I listened to him, and then from that, I just said, okay, just kind of put your own style together and, and go for it. Mm-hmm. I hope that answered the question. It does. It does. Very interesting answer to that question too. And Mark has one more question for you. Mm-hmm. He is asking, did you have a sound that you kept trying to achieve or chase musically, but never got a chance to incorporate in your writing? Was there something that you wanted to get in there that you just can never, never accomplish or get to? Well, it seems like that always. It just seems like that with every, every project. Um, but I think that after doing as many as we've done, yeah, I, I'm I'm satisfied with some things that that I really didn't know I was satisfied with at the time. If that makes sense, yes. it's like because when you're in it, you're so in it that you can't really constructively listen to yourself away from yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're thinking every little nuance, and and uh, so years later. Uh, that's when the Lord says, okay, I'll let you listen to what you did. <laughs> and, and, you know, you go, Oh my gosh, just the other day, I was listening to a, a, a an interview that JT Taylor was doing some podcast and they're playing some early blood good. And I was thinking, who is that guy? Who's that singer? Oh, that's you. And I was like, wow. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're probably laying down some good stuff there and just know that, uh, the Lord will let you listen to it later. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it does. It does. It does make sense. It really does. And the last question we have is from Harry Becker uh, from filthy rags. And he's got more of a business type question, which is very important because you know, you're doing music and you have to make a living, but you want to minister and you want to share your art. It becomes very complex sometimes and he asked how would you recommend a band or artist balance the business aspect of touring especially with doing things like collecting deposit and deposit refunds if a a commitment cannot be met matt how how did you guys handle that because you were out there for ministry and art and all that going on at the same time but there's still a business aspect to it of stewardship what would you recommend well i mean you, you have to do both really well of course now in the beginning we certainly, there was no, there really was no circuit. There was really nothing established. So we were just, we were just uh, determined to go out and just take what God gave us. And um, I mean, if you haven't seen Trenches of Rock, the film, 
it's the story of Bloodgood. It's a pretty good story of Bloodgood. And it was produced uh, by Michael Bloodgood's son, Paul Michael. And that'll give you the story with Bloodgood in the early years. So, you know, you have that calling. So you want to go out and preach the gospel. And that's number one. And so you go there. But then you realize that along the way, as um, maybe popularity or whatever starts to happen or the word of mouth gets out, then, you know, you're actually doing yourself a favor by having a very definite, um, you know, just in your contractual agreements, just be very clear as to what you want. Figure it out. Just run the numbers. Figure it out what you what each player needs to have and what the actual costs are. And then when the promoters ask you for a figure, give it to them. You know, give them the figure. But do it based on what you, you know, what your circumstances are. And everything is different. I mean, sometimes you're on the road and you're carrying gear and lighting. And other times you're flying in. Everything is a little bit different. But go ahead and figure out what those standards would be with you and your band based on where you're at in the spectrum of, of popularity and what needs to be built upon and just kind of figure it out. But I find that when you ask for things that are within, you know, it, it's better for the promoter to know what you want. Let's put it mm -hmm. that way as to being, well, you know, whatever you think is right, because then they just, <laughs> they just take you, you know, they, you, you don't set a standard for them. And we learned that by not setting the standard, they never met anything that would, was was good for us so yeah so there's a you got to do both um but in both cases pray especially for the wisdom that god would would uh, help you in what you are going to ask for and why and know why you're asking for it and who you're including and all that uh, it was always difficult for us because we always took our families our wives with us it, we we didn't want to be away from them and i mean there was a couple occasions where we had to be but uh, going to russia and sometimes going to germany and stuff it just wasn't feasible but um yeah you know you try and just keep your life together and follow him in the righteous way that you should so that's that a helped. solid wisdom that's really solid of saying what you need I think a lot of times people are afraid to ask that or state what they need because they're afraid that it's going to shut a door or something like that. But if you're walking in the will of the Lord and doing what he's called you to do, and then you state what you need, he'll, he'll make those things come to pass. That is really solid wisdom. So Thank I can you. give an, I can give an example when we, I don't know if anybody ever saw the uh, rock theater shows that we did up in Seattle and we, we sold those years ago and, and uh, they may come back. Uh, you know, in the next year or two or whatever. But um, we uh, we got hired to uh, bring that show to somewhere, I don't know, somewhere in the mid Midwest. And uh, uh, they were going to pay us like $12,000 to get there. We had to send a truck and we had all these sets and all we had to fly all those actors and dancers to do that show live and when we ran the numbers the show was booked by the dick clark agency who was booking mm -hmm. blood good in this big show they thought it was going to be great and we looked at the numbers and i and i realized oh this is this is not going to work so i called the uh, 
the promoter, the, the Methodist church guy or whatever. And I just told him the truth. I said, you know, um, our show is going to be more like $18,000, 12,000. It's, it's, it's not enough to bring the show the way you want to see the show. And I was just honest and from the heart with him. And he said, then we'll give you $18,000. And I went back to the Dick Clark agency and they went, how'd you do that? I said, I just told him the truth. That's what we really needed to make this work in the correct way. And uh, so again, God just opened the door for you. So, you know, just ask for what you need. <laughs> the truth is a wonderful thing. <laughs> it is. You don't have to be that clever, you know. <laughs> just say the just say the truth. Bless, to me, you remind me a lot of Joshua when we read of him in the scripture. He was one of those spies that went out into the promised land and with the other spies saw the giants and despite the giants and the land came back and said, hey, yeah, this land is good for us. Let's go in and take it. And that's what you did in the Christian metal in uh, with Christian metal as you went in and said, hey, this is good. And many have followed you. And just like Joshua today, you know, when Joshua was, I think it was like 85 or something like that, God said, hey, there's still some more battles and land to take. And you're still out there and you're still rocking today fighting these battles. Can you share with us some of the projects that you're involved in today? Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Um, thank you for that. Um, that parallel. That's a, a pretty amazing man of God. Uh, you know, if God says there's a promised land, there's a promised land. Okay, that's that. So there's going to be stuff in the promised land. He, he didn't say that's going to be a problem for me. So just go there. Um, yeah, uh, some projects that I'm involved in today. You know, what I'm, what I'm finding is that a lot of the things that I did a, a few years ago are starting to take fruition. There, um, uh, I don't know, there's just a lot of a lot of things that have been done are coming back now in the Les Carlson life. You know, now that Michael is gone, I'm pretty much out there on my own and it's really different. Uh, but because of this legacy that Bloodgood had created, um, I'm seeing that there's more interest in me. And uh, so then things that I'd done are kind of coming to the surface. Um, so, you know, you've got that Trenches of Rock film. Um, a few years ago, I did a one-man uh, play called St. John in Exile. It was originally done by uh, uh, Dean Jones, and it's a one-man play. It's an 80-minute play, and I had to learn all of that dialogue without any other actors because you're, you're the only person on stage. So you're, act, you're talking to imaginary actors as you're telling the story of Jesus. And I, you know, I did it. And um, this film director, C.G. Reich, who did River, I, I don't know if you've seen my song River on YouTube. If you haven't, you got to look it up because it's really amazing. Um, and C.G. saw this St. John thing. So he's, he's revamping this and he's putting, you know, bringing the color up to, up to um, snuff and everything is just happening. But he wants to release it through PBS. And so there's me as an actor, uh, as not a lead singer in a heavy metal band, you know. And so, I don't know, there's just a lot of things that are starting to come back uh, in my life. So, and that is planting those seeds 
and they're just now starting to sprout up. So, you know, who, whoever you are and wherever you are, keep going. I mean, where am I going to go from here? Uh, hopefully to the arms of Jesus. And if I can still rock it at 85, then <laughs> there's just some sort of wonderful thing that glorifies God yeah. in that the guy's still rocking, you know, the guy's still, he's like, he's still moving around and he's got enthusiasm. And it's like, well, where does he get that? He gets it from the King of Kings. There's a reason for it, yeah. you know? And I can see why without him, what would be the point, you know, after you'd rocked most of your life, just going, Hey, let me kick back. And I'm, I'm just going to cut the grass or something, you know, but uh, no, I'm just, I'm going to go for it as long as I can rock. And I got my wife Joyce with me now that rocks with me, which is kind of fascinating because cool. you've got, you got a couple of people that have been together. We're going to, we're going to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary, June 22nd. Congratulations. Uh, 20. 24 year, 23 yeah. 2023 24 oh 24 yeah that's right and uh uh so we've actually been together for about 53 years which is pretty amazing mm -hmm. uh considering that we met as actor and actress in the broadway musical hair back in the 70s so and we're still oh, together wow. wow that is so, really cool. but now we're heavy metal couple you know singing for jesus and she's amazing <laughs> She rocks like crazy. And uh, so people look at it almost, almost like it is a miracle. And we can just point to him. Oh, that is yeah. beautiful. Especially that you're doing that now with your wife. And that's one of the trends that I've noticed really in the Christian rock and metal scene that I've been in. A lot of the bands that I've been working with are like Armor of God, where it's husband and wife. You see mm -hmm. that more and more now with Bless a husband and wife. And it's so powerful. It's very it is. powerful. It is. Yeah. yeah I love it. <laughs> it is. It's pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool that God allows us to continue doing this. And we're the we're grandparents of uh five grandchildren. And that and it's oh, that's a whole nother level of life that is <laughs> absolutely amazing. <laughs> They've got one cool grandpa, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, One example so. that's set for future generations in your family. Mm. That's that's really exciting. What is the greatest piece of wisdom, the, the greatest thing that you've learned as a Christian musician that you would like to share with other younger Christian musicians that maybe we haven't touched upon in this interview? Uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm... I don't want to repeat the same thing, but it just let it go. Let yourself go into him. Let let it let him handle it. Let yourself go into him. I mean, give it to him. Give it to him. He says, give it to me. So give it to him. You know, if you have a burden, put it on my shoulders. Because it's not that big of a deal for me. It's a hard situation for you. But if you give me all of your cares, I will deal with it. And I'm talking all of your cares. And that has to do with your personal relationships with any and everybody on this planet. Any kind of circumstances that hurt or are ugly. Anything that is broken that needs to be fixed anything that needs to be accomplished in the kingdom, anything that is a struggle, give it to him. Even, even your, you, okay. Uh, you know, your scales on the guitar, give it to him. 
say, mm-hmm. Lord, as I'm trying to do this, I'm not as fast as this guy or that guy. Show me. I mean, you're the one that created all of this. Reveal something to me now that helps me be better at what I'm doing. Open up my ears. Open up my heart. Let me listen into my sound. Let me listen into my tone. Let me listen into it and let me give it the greatest that I can give it based on what you're telling me to do. I mean, come on, guys. He is a source of life and inspiration. So the question is always, you know, any question you ask, the answer is always going to be Jesus. All things were made by him, for him, and through him. And without him, nothing would even exist. So, you know, he's God is hidden in plain sight. <laughs> like, use him in a source, as a source of life and inspiration and and even your ability give it to him mm-hmm. joyce and i started you know this whole logic thing when the pandemic came and i started seriously picking up guitar and playing guitar because i'm away from my band nobody was around me i had no musicians to work with i ended up playing my guitar i'm i'm loving playing my guitar my wife engineered the last les carlson album I mean, she engineered it and we had to learn how to do all of that. Anything that you think you can't do, there's a scripture that says you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Let's get the world fired up about who he is. Let's show them how how we can continue to live and do miraculous things by putting it all in his hands. And anytime you carry it on your own, yeah, he'll allow you to do it, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle and it probably isn't going to get the results that you want. Wow. Thank you so much, Les. Thank you for joining us for this interview. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you with us. And this is just solid wisdom. And I love how the center of everything you do is Jesus. That is just so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for the podcast. And remember, you're doing them. That's and right. Coming and they're happening. <laughs> and I just I, I love the questions today. And I love the, the people that are in the bands that are asking these questions. And I love the fact that we all have the same source. Yes. Yes. We're, and we all understand who it is. Yes. It's, it's a wonderful thing when brothers and sisters in the Lord come together, even through just sending email questions and asking those, you can feel just the unity in the questions that everybody is, they're seeking the same thing. They're seeking to glorify Jesus. And it's so wonderful. Les, thank you again. And to all of our viewers and listeners, we'll be back next week. And until next Thursday, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.